Hi, my name is Kevin McDonald, and I'm declaring my independence. Independence from what? Why, negative thoughts and energy, of course. Chief among them, hate, division, and fear. You see, I know that we're all one, and together we can solve any problem, save our planet and each other. Please, join me as we come together as one and choose a better way to be. So now, let's begin with my independence report. And welcome, everybody, to another episode of My Independence Report. And this is a very, very special episode because we've got a gal with us today, and uh, um, her name is Ann Moore. And she is uh, really is a spectacular. You are a spectacular soul, I just have to tell you. You've got such wonderful energy about who you are and uh and things and uh um it is it is just extraordinary to have you on the show so i would like we're going to spend an entire hour talking about what's going on with you and the new class that you have coming out because you are well first of all let's give them a little background about who you are you are uh how do you describe your professional self That's a really great question. It's always evolving. I would start with sexologist. That's kind of a big blanket term. But essentially what I do is um, invite and facilitate awakening in all areas. So body, spirituality, sexuality, money, um, relationship, family. And um, I focus on... um, And I I don't want to scare anybody off with erotic energy. And yet that's the thing is we don't talk about that and we don't talk about money. And uh, because this is what the subject of today is, um, I talk about the things we don't talk about and that actually, because it's right next to life force. Um, Because these are the places, because we don't talk about them, it's where we hide all our fear and all our shame. And once we can go to those places and love them, it opens up just huge amounts of capacity and ease and pleasure and um, choice, you know, a feeling that you have choice in your life. And right now there's just a whole lot going on around us that feels like we can't control. And so this practice, this cultivation of um, being open about these areas and sharing and learning how to open up um, changes all that. It makes it so we can actually navigate every single moment, including like whatever's happening around us with this joy and ease and um, connectedness and thrive. That's, that? that, that's, that's just perfect because now you are, now if you go back, if you're listening to my independent report, or watching my independent report, you can go back because Coriel Kramer and I have done uh, five uh, five different uh, uh, episodes about the erotic blueprints, which is one of the foundations that you use in your work. Is that correct? Yes, absolutely. It's a super rich system. I've been working with it for a few years now, and it just keeps getting bigger and deeper. And it is one of the ways that I have shifted and healed a ton of my stuff around money to come into a place of just um, easiness with it and, and playfulness and prosperity in a way I've never had before. It's an yeah. exciting proposition that you do. And the th- one thing that I've learned about it is even more so than sex. It is an ins- entire style and way of living. And it incorporates all aspects of your life if you allow it to. Is that, am, am I, was I wrong in that? Or is that, that's kind of what I discovered in the process. Of it is absolutely that. And that is the whole thing about going straight into this thing about who we are in our bodies and our sexual selves, because that is who we are. It's actually who we are in the world. And so what I love about the um, five erotic blueprints is it gives this expanded idea of who I get to be. I don't have to pretend not to like what I like just because it doesn't look like what they say is okay in the media in any area, whether it's sex or the way I dress or the way that I um, hang out with money, for example. Um, And it just, um, the more I work with this, the more I um, am clear that just being authentically 100% me, I get to be super unique. And also that when I do that, it's universal. 
and it gives permission for everyone else to be their delightful, unique expressions, and it gives us a way to connect. Couple, there are a couple of things that struck me in what you just said, one of which is uh, we are programmed from the time that we're very little to adhere to a uh, set of rules that we are supposed to live within. And if we don't fit within that, if that doesn't resonate with us, then we feel like uh, we are either crazy or we are weird or we're not normal because we don't fit into that specific uh, thing. And what you do is you allow your expression of who you really are in all aspects of your life to come out. Now, today, we're going to talk specifically about money magic and how to make that work for you and uh, and stuff. But it works in all aspects of your life, doesn't it? It absolutely does. And those, what you said is really important because those habits of thinking and those limiting beliefs and those places where we make ourselves small, those are already in place by the time we're about three years old. And the rest of them get in place by the time we're about six. And so there's so much of this that is not in our consciousness. And it gets wired into, literally into our brain chemistry. And some of it we inherit from family patterns. And the good news is that's there. And if we're unconscious about it, it kind of runs our lives. But if we can become conscious about it, we can change it. We can actually physically change our brain chemistry. We can change everything about how this works. I think that's uh, Trump at the front door. Yeah, I don't know who it is. I wasn't expecting anybody. <laughs> Just kidding. He, he wants to understand. No, never mind. I'm not going to go there. Um, but uh, um, it's so what we're talking about here is everything that, that really, honestly, everything that is life. And this you can apply. You can apply to sex. You can apply to money, which you are doing. And it's a fabulous background there that you have with you. You, you, you seem to be doing quite well. Thank you very much. I am. I am. And part of what I'm doing is leaning into receiving and being in what I have, which is this abundance and um, what feels good to me and my body and being in joy at spending money to make my environment feel really good to my body because it's important. It's actually important. And it's the first time I've done this really. I just moved to a new place. And so um, I'm just really diving into the delight of um, what feels right. And it's, it, it, I, there's all this judgment coming up about it, about that it's extravagant, it's frivolous, it's selfish, it's self-indulgent. What if other people don't have this same thing? Um, and I am noticing that those are all things that I learned really early from my family. We had a really self-reliant, like pioneer ethic of like, you know, you're supposed to, you don't hire somebody to do something. You have to know how to do it yourself. I was supposed to build my own car huh? when I was 15. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> yeah. My, so my dad was a scoutmaster. He loved fixing cars. He was an engineer. Also, he was like an aerospace engineer. And he had all these VWs. At one time, we had 11 Volkswagens in front of our car, in front of our house. And I had, I was the youngest of five. And each of us were supposed to literally assemble our own car from scratch so that we would know how to repair it once we had it. It's a great idea, except that I hated working on cars and it was really dirty and greasy. And I just was like, ah. I mean, I didn't listen to your, your, your knuckles and, and it's cold and it's wet. And I, I hated that. Yeah. 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 And so I had that in my um, system and in my um, thinking for a really long time. And even when I did this move, I had this moment of, I, I would wake up at three in the morning and I'd be like, can I do this? And I thought, oh, I have really heavy furniture. And it's furniture that I can't lift all by myself. So I guess I can't move. Oh. Because I have to do everything myself. And then I remembered, wait a second, I can ask for help. And I could hire some. There are people who do that for a living. And if I hire them, it creates work for them. Like this is part of the flow of money. And so much of this has been about looking at money as, um, as an energy and that it's sacred. It is spiritual. There is a spirituality to money. And that's a piece that in our culture, we just don't get. The idea that money is like the exact opposite of our best and highest spiritual selves. And so what I've been doing in part through the erotic work is to play with, what if that were true in my life? 
because otherwise there's this whole chunk of my life where I'm not being my divine self. I'm not being my fully authentic self. I don't accept that. I believe that it's possible to do that in every area. Um, so if that were true about me, who would I be? Because I'm like, oh, I can't do that. I don't, you know, I've got all these restrictions about how much I'm allowed to have. And, but who would I be if that were different? And so um, I started playing with something that's called an erotic persona. And I think, has Coriel talked about that? On one of, she did, over the last one we did. A we little bit. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. But we are talking about it more and more because what what were and go in a little bit to the uh, personas because what I get from that and we haven't done it in depth. I'm going to get a lot more into it here in the next couple of weeks. Um, but um, as I understand it, the personas are like an aspect of yourself that you've kept hidden and away from everyone because it's either not right or it's dirty or it's, it's, it doesn't fall into the norm of what people expect. And so you kind and so what these personas are is a way of bringing them out and giving them life. Have I screwed it up totally? No, that was completely right. And it can also be like, these are parts of yourself that you've disowned that you haven't allowed yourself to express because you were told they weren't okay. And maybe that happened really early on and maybe that happened later on. But that um, it sometimes it's also a place where you feel like, wow, if I let that genie out of the bottle, it's never gonna go back in and it's gonna be uncontrollable and I will be too powerful and I'll hurt people or I'll scare everybody away. There's, there's a lot of persona work around that, that we are afraid to actually step into our, our full, expression because um, we've got this habit of being small and making sure it's okay for everybody and um, and the the analogy I like to use is like a redwood tree you know it grows and it, they, they're giant when they get to be as big as they are and they don't stop to check around to see if like am I blocking the light or the light tree next to me is it okay that I take this much nutrients my roots are going really deep is that going to break something like they don't do that they just are in their own natural intelligence of being as big as they are. So the erotic persona work is a way to start to access that for ourselves. Um, and it can, like, I've, I've had a couple different ones. Um, I know that there was one also, um, well, I'll just stay with mine. Um, so the one that I used for money, first of all, I started thinking, what is it that I need to change in my life? What is actually hurting me? in the ways that I'm acting, like what's limiting me? And it was really about money. It was this idea of, it's scary. I don't know how to do it. Um, I am gonna lose it if I have it. I can't manage it. I can't make it. I can't just make it whenever I want. I have to work really hard to get whatever I have and then I have to just hold on to it. And if I try to get any bigger, then um, something's gonna blow up and I'm gonna like fail just all this fear. And I don't know, is that true for you about money? Do you have stuff like that? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And then they, you, when I, well, I'll tell you a real quick story. When I first started doing radio back in 2003, I went to KKNW, which is a, they call it a block programming station. And what they do is they sell blocks of time, like an hour of, at a time. And so I buy an hour at a time, I create a talk show and I go out and I sell it advertising to be on the talk show that the advertisers pay me, I pay the station is how it's supposed to work. Unfortunately, because I was insecure in the value that I was bringing to people, I didn't recognize that what I was bringing a value to them. So consequently, I undervalued and didn't think that it was worth what I was doing with it. And so it failed. I ended up spending, I can't, I'm, I'm scared to tell you how much money I lost and spent in that because I was not, and, and you know, what was interesting about that, one of my advertisers who didn't bother to tell me, I charged him $400 a month. He, his business went up 50%. 
It went from $18,000 a month to $35,000 a month solely. Be, the only thing he did differently was advertise on my show. I didn't recognize it. I didn't. I was fearful that somebody would say no. And so I undervalued it. So that's good. Is that right. a decent example? It's a great example. And the other part of it is look what happened. That because you weren't valuing your part of it, there was a mismatch. There was an imbalance that whole thing imploded. And that means that like that business doesn't have that place to advertise anymore. Those people who are coming on your show don't have that place to showcase their voice. Like that was a whole ecosystem. And what was needed was to actually stand in value and say, I'm holding the container. And I recognize that energy is a money and that I need to accept it. It's learning to accept and allow it in your life. Yeah, it's a really big part. Yeah. And so for me, I was in a really similar place. And so what I started to say was, who would I need to be if I could do that? Uh, what were you going to say? No, go ahead. Go okay. Ahead. This is fascinating. Okay. So I was like, oh, and, the, and so the, the erotic um, blueprints give you a place to play with things like light energy and dark energy. So light energy is playfulness, loving everybody, just like, you know, rainbows and puppies, Dark energy is more like predator and um, sort of the juicy darkness and I'm going to devour you. And I was like, ha, huh, for money, there's already enough darkness there that's like scary for me. I think I need to bring in some light energy. What if I could just play with money? What if I had the power and permission to play with money? What would I do if I knew I couldn't fail? Because it's all play. Because you can't fail at playing, right? Right. There's no wrong way to play. It's just, you're just doing your thing and being in joy. So I started with that. So that was the light energy and a light energetic, which is one of the blueprints. And then the other thing was um, money. I go into contraction and I shut down and my body shuts down when I even think about money, when I, you know, I'm looking at bills or I'm thinking about paying my taxes. So how can I make money sexy? Uh -huh. How can I allow myself to be in like playful turn on about money, everything about money, big amounts of money? What would that look like? And what would it take for me to get there? Um, and I didn't feel like I as me could do it, but I'm like, there's some part of me that can, I bet. And so I started to feel into that. And that's the name came first, actually. So um, her name, the persona Lala. <laughs> and the la la was like the la la la, money's fun, ah. but not in a, and therefore I'm irresponsible about it. It's just like, I am joyfully playing with it, whatever it is that I'm doing. It is just the, the joy and the playfulness of it. Um, and the, the first name is M-O-N-N-A-E. So it's like money, but spelled differently. Um, so her name came first. It was like Monet la la. And then I started leaning into like, well, what is Monet la la like? Well, she loves shiny things. And so um, she loves to, and it doesn't matter whether it's real gold or not. Some of it is, but she needed to be adorned with gold and shininess. Um, and some of it real and some of it not, because that's the playfulness of like anybody else looking at it, they might think I'm covered in diamonds and maybe I am, and maybe I'm not. And that's part of the playfulness. You don't know. And I don't even care. I don't know. Um, and uh, what was the edge? Like, how could I really bring this into my body that it was okay for me to play with money and to have the power in the relationship? Because I also kind of felt like I almost had an abusive relationship with money where it had all the power. Oh yeah. It was always had all the power. I felt like it was out to get me. I felt like I couldn't trust it. I felt like, um, it was always a setup almost. Um, and so I decided, I had heard someone else mention this idea and I'm like, I'm going to do that of what if I have sex on $10,000 cash? And I told my partner about it and he was like, yes, I'm a yes. Let's do that. Yes. I will make, I will help you make that happen. Um, I just, I've, I've texted him. He actually does want to join the show to talk about this. If oh, you, yeah. okay. Call, Great. Tell Tell him this number. He can well. He can either use the Zoom or he can call in on uh, 
thirteen ninety five. And that, by the way, anybody who's listening to this show, you this is an actual call in show, so you can uh, uh, give us a call at two zero six. 408-1395 if you've got a question for Anne or and uh, uh, about about money and about how she is making it all uh, work for her and while while we're setting him up and uh, you can listen to this at the same time I have a story about that awesome. um, that was really quite quite remarkable now I was in network marketing on about the same time I was doing the radio show. They came on the show and signed me up and stuff. And so I was doing network marketing and I was working with five other people. Uh, so there were six of us and uh, we were working with a mentor who was trying to help us understand how network marketing worked and to be able to take people out there and to show them how to buy the products and, the, and, and to make money themselves. And, you know, you got to go talk to people and stuff. And we were all like, Oh, this is hard. We can't do this. We're, this is going out and talking to strangers about, you know, isogenics and products. And I, I don't know. We can't do that. One of us, one of us, made the conscious decision that rather than it being hard, it was easy. She said, it's easy. I can do this. I can, I can work with money. I can work with this product. I, it's easy and I can do it. That shift in her mentality, which is what you do with the personas, you allow that to come out and live. She's now a millionaire in that company. Yeah, I believe it. Yeah. Because she just made it really, really interesting and easy and stuff like that. So, and speaking of which, we are going to be joined by Dan here. And, uh, Yay! Good. <laughs> so excited. Well, this is really, this is really cool, Dan. Nice to meet you. Well, thank you. It's nice to meet you, too. I understand that uh, you had an experience with $10,000. Tell me about that. <laughs> it was awesome oh i can only imagine it was so good so um my girlfriend wanted to experiment with uh money and sex and in a way to kind of um explore explore the nuances of both of them because because so much about sex and money in the way that we deal with them and the shadows that come up inside of us and the stories we tell ourselves are, are really connected and are very similar and and breaking those barriers is a blast you know it's, a, it's really fun in sex but it's also really fun in money and uh and and a lot of my life um is about helping people break those barriers in their lives with money but personally, I like to do it in my sex life as well. And so uh, my Why partner. That? And I, I told, I set it up a little bit and I explained about Monet Lala and that she uh -huh. was starting to come out. And that one of the things that I mentioned was that I wanted to have sex on $10,000 cash. Right. And that I shared that with you and you were like, absolutely. Right. And, and then, I don't think you realized that I took that as a very specific stated desire. I didn't, I, I was like, gosh, that would be really great to do. And I was uh, gonna be coming out, I think in the next, I don't know, week or a few days. Yeah, like, in a week or so, right. Right, so, so I, I, I set show it up. up, right, go ahead. You, yes. So I set it up, I started collecting the money and, and I think I needed like $6,000 more that I had set up, set aside, had at my bank, ready for me to pick up on our way home from the airport, if I remember right. Yes. Is that right? Yes. So yes. I got in the car, we're driving back to the airport, and he's like, we got to stop by the bank because we need the rest of the money. And I'm like, whoa. And right. it was that part was really important because I, I used to be scared of banks. Banks were where bad things happen and where I always felt like helpless and confused and powerless. And so we went into the bank picked up this big pile of cash. There was this whole discussion about should it be hundreds, should it be 20s? Do we want more bills or do we want big ones? We got a mix. Right. And we, like we did we 20s and hundreds. Yep. yep. And we just came back to the apartment, spread it out on the bed. And that was it. Like we went right before I could hesitate before. And it was the joy of that, the rush 
of being able to create that was so amazing. And it totally changed my whole relationship with money. It was like, oh my God, money is fun. Money is a blast. Money is and sexy. it was fun. Like, it was like so there, fun. there's so many ways that money is fun. Like here, I'm in my office right now. I have a, a ball jar that's filled with dollar coins and like Kennedy halves and Eisenhower dollars. And, and it's just here, but this is like $500. And it's just fun. And then we, so we had all of these bills all over the bed. And, um, and I think it, Monet was on it, right? So she had gotten all of her accoutrements and her decorations on and everything. And then we took some photos. Um, I think we took some photos before and after. And I posted them on Facebook. That was the other piece. And this is the important piece for me about the erotic persona work is we talked about these are the places where you hide and where you don't talk about money or sex. And so then they end up being the places where there's all the shame and all the um, judgment and all the fear. And so for me, it wasn't just doing it. It was also then being seen, being joyful about, oh man, I've got stuff still coming up. Like that was an edge for me to say, I love money because I had gotten to a place, you know, I'm a sexologist. I do body work, erotic body work. Like I'm someone who could stand up in front of a room full of strangers and be like, I love sex, but it was way more edgy. Like I had done the work around that for me to be able to do that same thing with a room full of strangers and say, I love money. Like before I did this, I could not have done that. You know, and there are a lot of people that would say, well, you love money for the love of money. Come on. That's not, that's not right. That, that, that's, that's sinful. That's that makes you a bad person. That makes you selfish. That makes you not care about other people. Like I had all this judgment about people who had money. And so of course, like, I wouldn't want to become one because then everybody would hate me. They'd try to, you know, I don't know. They would think that I didn't like them. I'd lose my friends. I'd lose my family. My boyfriend wouldn't love me anymore. I, you know, just, I don't know. I had a lot of story about it. So that act was just such a gift. And to be able to do it in connection, in relationship, be supported and loved and seen in that way was amazing. And that's another thing that this erotic persona work can do is to give away from, it was a way for me to tell you, Dan, about this place in myself and say, can you help me love myself here? Like, is there something we can do that's creative and fun so that my body can experience being loved in this place? That's and, and the your, intersectionality. And the language of the erotic blueprints helped me as the, the hearer of that desire to understand, oh, this is an ask and, and to be yeah. able to honor that. Yeah, and, like we can do like, this. <laughs> yeah, the, the, the thrill to be a partner who can do this for his partner, like that was so cool. That's it was pretty so cool that you could just come up with six grand at the drop of a hat too. That, that was, was also cool. <laughs> well, we gave it back. <laughs> that was the other really fun part is then we got to give it back to the bank afterward and be like, I don't know where this is going to go. This is like spreading yummy juju all over the world. Like, who knows? You might have one of those 20s right now. Awesome. That's that's true. By the way, you also have, uh, Monet has got a, uh, uh, a yes. thing she wears around herself. Yep. <laughs> Show us what yes. that's. Tell us that so, uh, so there's an event coming up next weekend. Uh, it's called Path to Passion, and it's the uh, annual gathering for the erotic blueprint community. And one of the things we do is we have an erotic persona parade so that people get a chance to be seen bringing out these parts of themselves that might have been in the shadows. So I got to bring out Monet Lala last year, and this was one of the things that she wore. So I found it on just... And it was this mix of, I said, like I had real money that I was throwing out to Yahoo. It was like $1 bills, um, which Dan helped to create. That was really fun. But also this is like fake hundreds. And that's the point is money's just made up also. Like that this $100 bill is, doesn't have the same value as some other piece of paper. Like we just made that up. We just invented that. That's part of the, that's why money's fun. Well, that, that's the thing is if everybody knew, well, I'm sure a lot of people know, but, but uh, Dan, you're, you're an expert in this field. If everybody knew that the paper that we have in our wallet doesn't really have any value until we assign a value to it. 
Right. And that imbues it with all kinds of spiritual power too, because it becomes like, it becomes a part of the connection between all of us, the, the commonly held beliefs and agreements. Exactly. Yes. Yes. It's a, and, and the, the thing about money is it it doesn't have any meaning at all unless it's between humans. It's one of our, our yes, exactly. It's, and that is also true um, about touch to some extent. You can give touch to yourself, but I think it's something that we've learned in COVID, especially touch becomes this thing of, uh, it's such a privilege and it's so beautiful to be able to touch another human body. It's a similar place where it's a, it's a profound connection. Yeah. And something that Dan has really helped me to understand, which is something I was playing with, with Monet Lala is it's a lot. Um, we get really confused about self-worth around money as we do about sex as well. And um, especially right now, there's a lot of people who are struggling or in anxiety, thinking they may be struggling because we've got all these big energies happening with COVID and with the economies and just craziness. Um, and what they're thinking is, I, why am I not doing this better? It must be something wrong with me. I'm failing. I just, I'm not that smart maybe. I just, I'm not capable. I don't know how to do this. And that's just not true. It's just not true. And it's interesting to, to bring the, the parallels of that to the world of sex too, because on the one hand, we all, we like there's this pervasive notion of, well, if you like to have it, there's something wrong with you. But if you aren't having it all the time, there's something wrong with you too. Right. And, the, and you have to have it in a certain way because there's all this guilt associated with how you ended up getting it. Or did you ask for it? Like who, who gets to, de to decide who, you have that with and all of these other things, those are very similar in our experience with money. Absolutely. That's great. Yeah. And so we end up trying to figure out how to have exactly the right amount so everybody will fit in, which may not have anything to do with what I actually need or what actually feeds my soul. Yeah. Right. Yeah, so much of what I do for my clients is similar to what Anne does with her clients, where I'm trying to help them understand that there's not an amount that is the right, like there's not some external amount. It's just, well, what do you need? Like, what do you want? What helps you live the life that you want to live? And then make decisions based on that. And I think it's very much like with the blueprints where it's like, what do you want? Learn to learn to think, what do I actually want? Do I want a whole bunch of space? Or do I want something fast? Or do I want something that breaks with the rules? Or do I want something really warm and fuzzy? Like all of those things are okay if you want them. It's interesting because uh, we have got this, especially in this country, this thing about having the big house doing better than the Joneses, having, having the big car, having the stuff. So we leverage ourselves and we put ourselves into an impossible position of debt. I have a friend, I, we were, I, I've been a bus driver for 11 years and we make a decent living. And when we went full time, he um, saw all this money coming in his paycheck. And so the first thing he did is he bought a house and then a big house. And then he bought a, uh, um, then he bought a boat and then he bought some other stuff. And now he's leveraged to the point where he has to work 60 hours a week in order to make his payments. So now he's a slave to money. He's not the master of money, which is what thought he was going to be. He's now a slave to the, to the entire thing rather than having a house, a smaller house, a nicer place that, that, that he could, uh, that he could enjoy life because that's what it's about. I think. I think that's exactly it. I, I think it's, if you can choose what you really want and you can state what you really want, well, then you can get it. But if you can't state what you want, if you don't even think in terms of what you want, well, that, that, that's where it leads to, well, everybody else is telling you what you're supposed to want. And everybody else is telling you, you should have this big house or you should have this huge account or you should have this kind of sex or you should have this kind of partner or you should only have one kind of one partner or you should have, you know, all of these shoulds that have been given to us. 
if they're not yours, if they're not really yours, then you're not going to be happy. Now, you guys are doing a, uh, um, um, Ann told me just before we went on that sometime in January, you guys are putting on a big shindig. What are you doing? Um, so this is news to Dan. We had talked about this um, oh, in, about in, in big gestures, but I just, I'm putting January down as a stake of what I want to do is to create a, a series so um, a workshop, a program, not just a one-off, and we'll, we'll do a one-off to introduce it. But that what I'd like to do is help people to, um, to open up in this way, to play with money in this way. And the, the things that I um, wanna look at are what gets in the way of doing this? Because like you said, your friend had made a decision that it was just easy to do the calls. Sometimes we try to do it by force of will and we can't get there. And a lot of times it's because we've got some kind of unconscious pattern, unconscious family loyalty, where it's like, well, my, you know, I'm gonna, I don't want to do better than my dad because then he won't love me anymore. Or, um, you know, someone else in the family lost a bunch of money. So if I get more than I think I deserve, I'm going to find a way to lose it so that I won't you know, I, I won't stand out. Um, so the family piece, the erotic persona piece of like, okay, so what's your blueprint? How can you play with money? What would feel juicy um, in ways that you can like physically experience the joy of money? What would that look like for you? And it would be different for you than it would for me. And that what Dan does is exactly what he did here is he can He's, he's to money what I am to sex, which is to say, it's just, it's just here. It's part of our world. It's an energy. Um, and what do you want to find out what I want and don't want in money and in sex um, so that my life just has more joy and ease and meaning? And to do um, some of the process work, there's some um, physical, um, somatic approaches to this um, to release uh, a lot of the shame and guilt and charge so we can think more clearly about it. Um, but just to play in this space of money's fun, money's magic. I want to get, I want to get your information out a couple of times because for, first of all, Dan, does she ever, is she ever in a bad mood? Does she never, does she <laughs> ever have like low energy and she's tired and I don't know, grumpy and all that? She just seems like a marvelous soul. I'm not sure that those are mutually exclusive. Oh, oh, very nicely said. Very nicely said. So, um, but, but she's, so give us your information so that people can get a hold of you. Okay, so um, for this, the easiest way would be to find me on Facebook. So it's A-N-N-E-M-O-R-E. -E. Um, and that I have a website, it's Y-E-S, wait, wait, yes, right. Y-E-S-A-N-N-E-M-O-R-E.com. So it's yesandmore.com. That's cool. Um, or, yeah, or you can email me. So it's, um, you can just do Anne at yesandmore.com. That's for my information. Dan, do you want to give out your information or would you rather have it go through? Um, well, that's an interesting question. I wasn't prepared for that. I know, uh, we're just creating this on the fly. So <laughs> I'm just being too super transparent about that. So, but, but don't feel like you have to. We can always put up the information later in the if you want it, if you want the that information out, we can put it in the in the uh, description of the episode. Okay, great. Yeah, and people can always get in touch with me through Anne if they're interested in talking more. Yeah, and, and you are. And actually, can can because uh, we didn't do like a little introduction of like who are you about money or who are you um, about this subject. Do you want to? Me. Yeah. Oh, um, I think of myself as kind of a financial counselor for people. I, I hold a, a stock trading licenses, so I've got a Series 7 and a Series 63, and I manage people's financial portfolios um, under that. But mostly what I'm really doing is I'm helping people's money make their lives better. And I think that that's unique in that so many financial advisors seem to be trying to help people use their lives to make their money better. Ah. And so I come at it from this different approach. It's not, I don't try and maximize people's portfolios on the day that they die. I try and have it where 
their lives are as rich as possible if the money helps make that happen. So a lot of times what I'm doing, maybe 90% of my work, I'm not trying to sell people things. I'm just talking to them about how to think about what they're doing. One of the things that Dan does really well is to help people look at what they have and then to get their heads around the fact that they actually need to spend it. Yeah. Like they need to learn how to spend it to create joyful experiences in their life. It's very true. And that's something that I think is kind of an Americanism that we have where in the first part of our lives, the, the, the relatively small percentage of us who do a good job of making responsible decisions and living within our means and putting something away, by the time we're you know my age, 50s, 60s, we have all of this money and we, we now we have to figure out, okay, well, what's the responsible thing to do with it now? Now that I'm 60 or 70, is it still responsible to keep living within my means so that I'm going to have all this money when I die and then it's going to go to somebody else who's probably not going to make the same responsible decisions that I would make with it. And so I try and help people make that, that adjustment. What does it mean to be responsible at all the different stages of your life with your money? And it's different when you're 30 than when you're 70. Well, and I, I have a, another little quick story for you that uh, um, happened in my life this past this past week. Um, it's been eight days now. Oh, uh, yeah. My older brother, who's 64, uh, he sold his house two years ago. And he took the money, the, the proceeds of the house, and he stuck it in the bank. And he left it there. And he died um, last Thursday um, of, um, of lung cancer. And that money is still sitting in the bank account. And rather than him taking it and taking the trip that he'd always wanted to take or to get into the van that he wanted to buy. And then he was, he was a fundamentalist Christian and he wanted to go evangelize uh, the Western United States. And so he never did any of that. And uh, so that money is going to go to other people and hopefully they will use it for their dreams but most likely they'll stick it in the bank and that's where it'll sit as well. So it's yeah. a waste. Right. And so the responsible, when, when you use that word responsible, what I think is what you said earlier, which is what do you want? Are you being responsible to that? Are you being responsible to the fact that you are alive right now in this moment? You woke up this morning again. You get another whole day to live. Surprise. What are you going to do with your money Yeah. to create the experiences you want today? And, you know, even getting a little bit more cosmic about it, your desires are in you and you are the universe, right? You are, you, you are, you are made of the universe. The, you're not separate from the universe. So you're actually a small part of the universe desiring something. And this, and if you have money or other resources or assets in order to be able to make that desire a reality, we kind of have a, I mean, I think the, if the, if the universe wants it, and the universe is providing the, the resources to have it, you kind of have an obligation to go for it. Like, why else are we here? Why else did the universe create this little piece of itself that looks like me? You see, there are reasons why I do this podcast. What you just said is <laughs> the major the reason why? Because what uh, this, this is all about is I don't care if it monetizes. I don't care how many people listen to it because the universe is going to bring the right people who need the message and will listen to it at the right time. And so that's from my standpoint, what you just said is I could put that under a tagline underneath my independent report because that's what this is all about. And uh, I, I applaud you guys. It's, it's, it's awesome what you're doing. And don't now, and don't you have a seminar coming up real quickly um, or something? I seem to recall that you have something coming up soon. Well, we have the Path to Passion event, which is next weekend. So I don't know if people will see that by the time this comes out, but it's a three-day event. It's the Erotic Blueprints community. It's our big gathering. It's going to be virtual this year. And we are going to talk about things like erotic personas and um, how to be true to what you desire, because you are a little part of the universe desiring. And a lot of that will be about sexuality, but it's also about what do you want in your life? What are you saying yes to? And what are you saying no to that um, is true to who you are? 
So um, that's what's coming up the, the soonest. And then I haven't put it together yet, but what I'd like to do um, is to do uh, just a quick, like a Saturday afternoon workshop with Dan um, to just play with money and give people a taste of what this is gonna be like. So we haven't set a date for that yet. And um, I will be putting that on my website and on my Facebook page once we have that information. So we just- yeah, Those are again, in case somebody didn't have their yeah. pencil out. So Anne Moore, A-N-N-E-M-O-R-E, just one O, like I want more. Um, and it's yesannmore.com is the website. And um, you can also email me. It's yes.annemore.com. Or you can also do anne at yesannmore.com. Basically, yes, and and more. Just combine those a bunch of different ways and you'll find me. Oh, that's, that's awesome. So now um, I'm curious about personas. Do you have any other that have developed around money? Um, well, yes. So... You've gotten a little introduction to my newest one. Dan just met her, actually, just a few days ago. Um, she is my sensual. And actually, Dan's been such a big part of me learning to love myself in this place. This is a place where I have been really feeling shy and vulnerable because to have nice things, ooh, I'm getting really, whew, is edgy for me. I, um, you know, I told you earlier that Kevin, that I was supposed to build my own Volkswagen. Okay. That was I, I, because I was supposed to do everything myself. And my uh, mom was a daughter of homesteaders in Montana. She was an only child. We have this picture of her on the front porch with a rifle. She was like, I don't know, helping shoot rabbits during the, to feed the family. Um, really lots of like ruggedness and self-reliance and do it yourself. And also really simple. Like food was hot dogs and popcorn because we had five kids and, you know, I don't know. Um, just everything was very simple and nothing more than what you absolutely needed. That was like the family ethic. And I was talking about unconscious family loyalties. And I lived that way for a really long time where um, it was just really buying a new car was like a really wild thing for me to do eventually in my adult life because I was supposed to buy a used one and build it or fix it. You know, like that was just like not what I did. Um, so I've been really leaning into my sensual, which is about willingness to spend money to meet myself, to honor what I want and need. So an example is I've moved into this new place. I just had the bedrooms painted today. This is the first time in my whole life I've had someone else paint a room for me because I was supposed to do it myself. And so if I couldn't do it myself, I wasn't supposed to have that. Um, and it's really lovely to be in this place of feeling how good that feels to me, because it means I'm someone who is, I'm a coach, I do body work, I'm of service. Like my whole thing is helping and serving. And I need to be resourced to do that. And so it's this really deep place of self-care to say, it's okay for me to make my home feel like a home and a welcoming place for me to be and everyone else. Um, and that's going to look different for me than anybody else. So it's that place of like valuing what I want and um, feeling into the judgments of like, this is indulgent, this is selfish, this is too much. And realizing that comes from this whole belief of, um, what I have means somebody else doesn't have it. It's a zero sum game, that it's scarcity. And I love, I heard recently this um, analogy of um, like a golden retriever does not say to itself like, huh, well, um, he's offering me a cookie, but do I deserve a cookie? Like if I have a cookie, are the, do, do the other dogs have cookies? Um, is, is my owner gonna love me less if I take this cookie? And so I'm, I'm just being the golden retriever of like, oh my God, this sparkly lamp lights up my life. I'm so happy to have that. I am happy every time I see it, I'm a yes. So it's been super fun. And what I like about it is something I feel I've learned from Dan as well. Like what we were talking about with currency and flow. And I've been doing a lot of work around this with one of my other mentors as well, that, um, cause I have coaches cause I believe in coaching cause it has changed my life. Um, that I'm spending, which means somebody else is receiving. I was gonna say that. That's how it works. The so guy, like, 
the, the guys who painted today they, they got they, lessons from me they got to go home and they got to go buy groceries with it or they got to go do whatever they chose to do with that money but they had it be, then Absolutely. they would have had it otherwise so you it, yeah. it, it's the flow and the energy of of everything that is that puts that together yeah that and then to, to add to that too and you the the spiritual flow of money you get to choose who gets it next that's an enormously important part of it i think a lot of people discount how good it feels to give money to somebody that you believe in, somebody who you think is honorable for however you define honorable and how bad it feels to give money to somebody that you think is dishonorable. Like if you feel trapped, I, I'm, I'm a landlord as, as one of my career things. And I see so many people who don't like their landlords. Like in my case, it's not, in my case, but a lot of times people are coming to me and saying, oh yeah, you know, this is what my landlord was like before. I was like, why would you give them your money? <laughs> but it was because they felt trapped. They felt like they didn't have a choice. They, they felt like they didn't have an option. And every month then they're writing this big check to somebody that they don't like, some company that they think is like, you know, treating them badly or running a bad building. That there's something that like that really hurts your spirit. But if you can write your check to somebody, you're like, wow, I love what's happening here. I, I really like this person. I, I believe in what they're doing. The more you do that, the, it's spiritually nourishing, I think. And I, that, thank you. That goes back to like what the story you were telling about your radio station and being in the value of that. That if, if and, and I, I had to learn this for enrollment. So I, when I was a little girl, I had to sell, um, it wasn't Girl Scout cookies even, it was Campfire Girl candy. And oh, it was yeah. so hard to sell. Nobody wanted candy. They didn't want to, they did want candy. They just didn't want to admit they want candy. And so I'd have to go to strangers' houses. And I literally was the one who'd be like, you don't want this, do you? And then they'd be like, no. And I'd be like, okay. And that's what I thought sales and enrollment was. And then when I started to work with clients, what I realized is I'm giving them the opportunity to honor me. And to honor the value of the work that I bring to them and what I'm bringing to them is their dreams. It's their ability to expand their life and to support them in that way. And that if I don't allow that receiving, they don't get the gift of that spiritual connection. And that when they are, they're really investing in themselves. When they do that with me, they're saying, I'm worth this. This is what I've done with other coaches that to be like, I'm, I'm going to do full pay right away because I'm worth it. I'm investing in myself. So there's this whole um, piece about worth and value that is, um, it feels really sacred to me. It's really important. Yeah. It really is. And, you know, I've worked with, with a lot of uh, spiritual uh, messengers and spiritual people like Neil Donald Walsh and and um, Gary Zukoff and others, and to them to a person, they'll tell you that it is an energy exchange. Right, it needs to be done uh, positively and appropriately, but to give away what you I, I should not be talking about this, by the way, because <laughs> I'm one of the worst in the world at this. But if, if to give away what you do exceedingly well. You are, you, you're, you're not honoring yourself and you're not allowing them to honor you either. Right. Yeah. There's just a certain level of the work and the money is just an, a way of expressing that value. You know, rich people will send, will tell you that money is nothing more than a report card. And that's the self-worth piece. Exactly. That's bullshit your life is your report card yeah i think i think it is a misconception that's widely held particularly in the united states is that our value is a is measured by the amount of money we have yeah and and that's really damaging i think in so many ways yeah that's that and is it's also not even like it's not a it's not clean because it's like your value is how much money you have but if you have too much money then i'm gonna devalue you for having too much money because that means you're selfish and bad and, you know, exploitative. And if you don't have enough, then it's because you're lazy. 
Now in. <laughs> isn't that isn't that the truth? It's like if if you don't have any money, well, go get a second job, go get a third job. You know, you know, you don't need to sleep. What's the matter with you? But it right. should be easy. It should be. Dan, do you teach your the people that you work with that that managing money and and cre- the creation of money should be fun, should be easy, and should just flow, or do you t- teach them that it's hard and difficult and stuff? Um, I try and make things as simple as possible because I, I really think that most of the industry that I work in um, does a disservice by making things complicated. I believe it's really simple. I believe, I mean, we live in the wealthiest country that's ever been on the face of the earth. The, the resources that we have available to us on an everyday basis. And it's, it's really this simple. Live on less than you make and do something smart with the difference. If you do that on a consistent basis, if you live on 90% of what you make, take 10% off the top, pay yourself that 10% first, just like you're paying the landlord or the grocery bill or the visa bill or whatever else you pay yourself. And that's all it takes. I learned that fairly recently. I, I, I uh, was married for 25 years and, and lost the house and the marriage and all that fun stuff. And so I was living in an apartment and the apartment was like 1500 bucks a month. And I could afford it. And, uh, and there was no reason for me to make a decision to go somewhere else. But I ended up uh, wandering into a 55 plus mobile home community. And uh, I now live in a very nice uh, little mobile home that, that uh, cost me a third of what I was paying uh, for rent. And I own it. Um, and so that allows me to do this rather than have to struggle with uh, uh, driving a, a city bus which I'm not going to do anymore. Yeah, and, and, and there's, there's another way to think about being wealthy or poor. And because so much of, of the discussion in the United States is about what your income is. But if your income is $10,000, but you live on $9,900, you're rich. If your income is half a million dollars, but you spend 600000 a year, you're poor. And, it, and it's really that simple. But we, we equate the wrong thing. We say wealth is income. And then we, then we do all of our policies in the government all about income, right? But then the real wealth is not about income at all. Like people who are really wealthy, independently wealthy, they can live regardless of whether they work. So most of their, most of their wealth is, is in things that aren't, you know, getting a payroll check on. And so we've got all of these different ideas. There, there's a great book that I, I got into this because of my uncle. My uncle was a fantastic money manager and he got me into the business and he used to give away these books all the time called The Richest Man in Babylon by a guy named Clayson. I've heard I of it. highly recommend it. And I, I have a dozen of them here in my office. I give them away like, um, like I don't know, candy, I guess. <laughs> I, I'll give them to anybody. And they're a simple read, and it basically tells this story of take 10% of what you make and pay yourself first. If you do that, you will be wealthy. Now, now there's all of, like, yeah, healthcare problems because we don't have good healthcare in the United States, and we have half a million people every year go bankrupt because of healthcare problems and all of those things. Yeah, tsunamis can ha- happen financially as well. But for the most part, for the things that you can control, you pay yourself first 10%, do that as a habit, you're wealthy. And um, I want to jump on that because I love that book. And also I really struggled with it because of, because it's so gendered. And that actually has been one of the big places of discovery and exploration for me about money is to be a playful and powerful as a woman, that it is safe for me to be a wealthy, powerful woman. That's edgy. Um, and there's a bunch of stuff in our culture about um, men managing money versus women doing it, spending, especially household stuff. There's a lot about, you know, the housewife is the one who spends it and the husband is the one who goes out and, and it's all cisgendered. And there's just, it's really wound up in um, these identities. So um, 
I actually started rewriting that book for, with, with all female characters and I only got so far with it because I don't know stuff. Um, but I just want to recognize that, that that sometimes is a struggle for anybody listening. Um, it's okay to see that, like it's another place to bring it out into consciousness about what are the stories you tell yourself about money and you in this body, including your gender, including your age. Um, how does that show, including your race? And then how does that show up in your life in the ways that you're choosing to um, have this energy in your life? And what can you do differently that's gonna create choice and expansion and joy? I wish I'd have said that. That was very powerful. Thank you. That's that, why you have me. <laughs> that's exactly right. That's exactly right. We're talking with Ann Moore and Dan, and they are uh, um, they're the only people that I've ever met that made love on ten thousand dollars and literally. <laughs> I bet there'll be more after this podcast, though. So. <laughs> <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> yeah, I think the next goal was twenty five thousand. Yeah, that's Amazing. what we're looking at now. <laughs> that is oh. just, that is just awesome. Well, there are pictures on your on your Facebook page. You can find them. Yep, Monet Lala. <laughs> Mola, yeah, with lots of money all over her. They're and, actually both. There's there's the ten thousand dollars cash, and then there's also Monet Lala on stage with the the big um, boa of hundred dollar bills. So. Well, you are, I have to tell you, you are delightful. I look forward to doing this because uh, you have a wonderful smile. You have a wonderful energy about you. And, and the two of you are just, are just dynamic together. You must have some of the most interesting conversations, philosophical conversations late at night, don't you? Constantly. We do. <laughs> yes. We do. It's sometimes we have them while we're having sex. Sometimes we have them at other times. It's, it's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And thank you, Dan, for jumping in. He was like completely, I didn't even tell him this was happening. And I was like, hey, you want to like show up on this thing? And I love that that is how you work, that you you are this part of the universe that wants things and you're like, okay, I'm just going to do it. Um, it's one of the things I love best about you. It's really, really wonderful. Thank, thank you. you. And, and I really want- My pleasure to want... get Dan more whenever I can. <laughs> and more. Um, and I just, I, I, um, I think you had an experience, Kevin, of what Dan brings around money. And to me, this is something that's so needed right now and so can benefit so many people um, to just shift from, I'm, I'm doing this wrong and I don't know how to like, it's, it's simple. It's actually pretty simple and it's okay and I'm worthy. Um, so that's what I wanna create more of. And I'm so glad that um, you were willing to jump in. And Kevin, thank you for hosting us. Aw. What well, you do is just amazing. It, I, I have to, <laughs> I have to say, I wasn't really because I've been doing Dan. Just so you know, I've been doing uh, broadcasting on and off since like two thousand and three. But I started this podcast last August. It's now had in the first year, it's had fourteen thousand five hundred downloads, um, and it's mm-hmm. and I've got one hundred and fifty five episodes of some really dynamic, interesting people that that I even had my son, who is a rather critical 31-year-old, who didn't figure out that I was smarter than a stick until I was like, he was like 26. He looked at me the other day and he said, you have to continue to do these because they're diverse, they're interesting, they're positive, and I bring people like you and give voice to people like you who might not otherwise be able to touch somebody because you're going to touch, I've, I've, this thing has been downloaded in 50 countries around the world, every state in the United States. Um, and there's somebody that's going to come across this episode and it's going to change their life. That's what this is all about. And it's because of you guys. And I appreciate you. I appreciate you being here. It's great. And your information, one more time, please. One more time. So it's A-N-N-E, and with an E, M-O-R-E. You can find me on Facebook. I post there all the time. Um, I'm not much on Instagram. I just am lame about that. That's the way it is. Um, I might change that at some point. I don't know. Um, I have a website. It's yesandmore.com. So Y-E-S-A-N-N-E-M-O-R-E.com. And you can email me, Anne, at yesandmore.com. Um, and those are the main ways to get a hold of me. And if you want to get a hold of Dan, talk to Anne. That's yeah. right. Oh, and I have a YouTube channel. 
So I'll post this there. I'm starting to add to that. So. Okay, awesome. So um, this is the part of the program where I give each of you a moment to uh, to say something heartfelt to our audience of something that, that really means something to you. And ladies first. Discovering, understanding that m there's a spirituality to money has just opened my life and my being in ways I could not have imagined. Dan? I think the hardest thing for us to do is figure out what we want. And the second hardest thing to do is to ask for it. But... And and then the third hardest is to actually let it in and receive it fully. <laughs> <laughs> but they're all well worth doing. Yeah. It's been an honor having you on the, on the uh, podcast today. You guys are nothing short of sensational. Um, Thank you. And uh, you have a good time. I'll be at that uh, conference. Thing. Awesome. I know. Yeah. I'll underneath the table most of the time, but I'll be there. Oh, and it's, Path to Passion. Yes, he's going to be coming to Path to Passion. Yep. So in any event, you guys have a wonderful day. And by the way, everybody, take care of yourselves. Be kind to one another. We can do this. Hey, and thanks for listening to this episode all the way to the end. Hey, pretty cool. Hey, don't forget to follow us so you can receive regular updates and new posts. And remember, take care of each other because each other is all we've got. See you next time a mind of penetration.